What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the LWE Podcast, LWE Collins, and we are excited to be here today talking something very cool and very different. We're going to start doing some top 10 best and worst countdown commentary scenarios whatever you want to call it of just various topics can it be anything from movies tv sports food vacation spots you name it uh we're going to cover a lot of different things and we're going to do that over the course of this coming year uh mixed in with some of the other regular podcast interviews that i do well i can't do it by myself today it's better when you have more than one person involved here and so i asked my good friend the one and only mr alan ellis who is uh, a lover and aficionado on this genre and um the cool thing about it today between me and alan is that you know, I, I'm old enough to have experienced some of the really worst <laughs> superhero movies uh, pre-Marvel, pre-DC Comics um, in the latter stages that we've experienced here over the last 10 or 15 years. So um, I think we have a broad perspective and you'll probably can see that just within our top 10s and what we put down. So uh, probably be some difference of opinions, probably be some things that are a little uh, unique and probably some things like they made a movie about that. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But Alan, welcome to the podcast, man. Hey, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. You were here. We did our, uh, I think we did our top five favorite Marvel movie panel. Mm-hmm. You and uh, Shamez and Miss Emily Poteet back uh, during the summer uh, that we offered quickly have forgotten um but we're we're going to stretch it out here so alan we're going to start off with part one here we're going to do the uh, top 10 worst superhero movies um there's a lot of reasons and a lot of criteria that can go into this but obviously for me uh the worst superhero movies are the ones that just absolutely um you wish you could burn the tape um they don't do anything good for the characters that they're represented um direction uh, just the overall feeling is just like this is this actually got okayed by somebody in a in a studio executive's office. This went through several screenings and they yes. all said yes. And they put and you know it's almost kind of like when we talked about it. Sometimes it's like you know how good or bad a movie is depending on which restaurant they get to be featured at. <laughs> so uh, not wrong. Keep that in mind. So Alan, we're going to start from top ten. We're going to start from number ten and work our way up to number one. So first of all, for me, my Number 10 worst superhero movie is Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Why do I do not like this movie? Um, I'm a huge Fantastic Four fan. You'll hear some of that commentary throughout uh, today. Um, 20th Century Fox had made an attempt to make some Fantastic Four movies um, back pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now Marvel has control of Fantastic Four and hopefully, prayerfully, we'll get a great movie here in the next two or three years. First time's the charm, right? Third time's a charm. But Alan, Silver Surfer is a great character from the comics. He's an original Stan Lee, uh, you know, character that was created. And his big screen debut, although be it parts of his uh, presentation were good, the overall story in itself was just not good. And the fact that probably the number one reason why this movie did not do it for me was because you took one of the biggest, the baddest, not Thanos, Marvel villains in Galactus, and you basically turned him into a sweller, sweltering black hole cloud when he is described in the comics as the eater of the worlds. Mm-hmm. Visually speaking, he is just something immaculate that I wish we could see on the big screen. This movie was just bad all the way around. Um, and again, you know, I have a lot of love for Chris Evans. I actually liked his Johnny Storm he in was these very good. movies. 
Uh, but that was really about the extent of it. The, these movies just did not do it for me. So that's my number 10. Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. All right, my number 10, I'm going with Thor The Dark World. Uh, not necessarily, you know, in the grand scheme of things between these 10, I don't really think this movie's horrible. It's just very forgettable. And when it comes to the MCU movies, I held those at a much higher level. Mm. Because I believe those movies are great across the board. I think they're all do a good thing. If you make a bad Marvel movie, you have done something wrong. Yeah. And just, it's one of those movies that I just logically within the stance of everything that's going on in that, it just doesn't make any sense. It's a world ending cataclysmic event that only Thor deals with for some reason. None of the rest of them show up. Malekith, the villain, very much not really good at all. This is very forgettable, and this was the introduction to Reality Stone in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's so glossed over that twice, between Thor Ragnarok and Avengers Endgame, they had to gloss over the plot of this movie to remind people that it happened. <laughs> Course correction. <laughs> yeah, this one this one gets a lot of votes from a lot of people when you ask them favorite Marvel movies, worst Marvel movies, their least favorite Marvel movies. This one definitely is always in a conversation between the top two or three uh, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And again, there are 23 movies trying to compel one storyline. So you're, you're going to have some misses and you're going to have some hits. They had a lot more hits, hits than misses. Uh, but I agree with you. Thor Dark World, just it's, it's probably in my bottom five. And, um, again, there's a lot of these movies that we'll talk about in this top 10 worst category. There's some things that are, that we did like, there's some things that are okay, about them, but overall we're looking at just, just not very good. So Thor to dark world is Alan's number 10. Alan, my number nine movie is Spider-Man three. Um, and again, I was a big fan of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie when it first came out. It came out at a very interesting time. We had just went through nine 11 and the timing of this movie coming out coincided not too long after that it happened and man this movie made a big impact in the box office uh we had a great sequel uh and then we got to spider-man 3 and spider-man 3 really had a lot of potential on paper of being really solid but man they missed the mark on this first and foremost they tried to shoehorn shoehorn a very popular and very deep layered character in Venom into the storyline of this, which is still talking about Peter Parker and Harry Osborn continuing their storyline. So not only do we not really get a great, uh, true comic book, uh, worthy finish between that storyline we get venom thrown in now the sandman was the primary villain i actually thought visually he looked great i thought his storyline was great in this movie and i really didn't have a lot of problems with toby mcguire spider-man but this was just a case where this movie just had so much expectation and they dropped the ball they dropped it kicked it to the side whatever you want to say so spider-man 3 is my number nine who's your number nine number nine going with the incredible hulk Incredible Hulk. Now, this is not to be confused with... Not Ang Lee's. Ang Lee's Hulk. This is the Edward Norton-led uh, second MCU movie, oft-forgotten MCU movie. Yep, right after Iron Man. Right after Iron Man, before Iron Man 2. Uh, pretty much the only thing that's lasted out of this movie is Thunderbolt Ross. Everything else pretty much just glossed over. Everything. <laughs> and I mean that. Basically everything, including who was playing Hulk. But... It's just not a good movie. It's there's 
there's elements that are good, like the man on the run thing that was pulled from the television shows. You got all these cool things going on. But just the actual characterization Edward Norton put forth for Bruce Banner just isn't Bruce Banner. Yeah. It's just not what that character is. And we, the fans let him know it. He refused to come back. And that's one of only two characters in the entire 13, 14 year history that have been recast. Yeah. And, and the thing about it was, is that I actually thought this movie was really good. Um, um, I, I like the concept that they took from the TV show, which is one of my all-time favorite TV shows. And I think visually the Hulk looked really good. It was a far cry better than what it did in Ang Lee's version. And you'll hear about Ang Lee's version coming up because that movie is in my top ten. But, yeah, I could see where there was a lot of love. And, again, the Marvel Universe was still brand new. It was still hit or miss. And I think there was so much bad taste left in people's mouth from Ang Lee's movie. It was really hard to get fired up for another Hulk, Hulk movie. movie. Only five years later. Right. And so until Mark Ruffalo came along, Joss Whedon, and I think they really made the Hulk cinematically better in the first Avengers movie. Um, Alan, my number eight movie, X-Men Dark Phoenix. Um, ironically, the final X-Men movie in the 20th century, 20th century Fox uh, X-Men line of movies, which in, in, in itself is a very convoluted and complicated journey with a lot of crazy storylines and, and two different casts, basically, uh, over the course of so many years. But Dark Phoenix, probably one of my all-time favorite comic book storylines, and again, when I talk about superhero movies and talking about these comic book movies, you're talking about pulling the comics right out of the pages. And this story was not something that you could just shoehorn in. No. And this was the second attempt at trying to put Dark Phoenix on the big screen. The problem was they cut out the whole first part of the Phoenix storyline. Which is from the kind comics. of important. Which is basically the foundation. And you know this, Alan. If you build a house on quicksand, it's not going to last. It's going to sink. And so... They they tried to do some things. They tried to make it a little edgy, but the cast the cast for this particular group of X Men not really good at all. And you know I just think it, it just missed so much, and it was really underwhelming. And just to tag Dark Phoenix on the title really just was like the kiss of death because there's no way they're gonna make that work. So that was my number eight X Men Dark Phoenix. And number eight you just mentioned it a couple of minutes ago Spider Man three. Not just the Venom storyline getting shoehorned in there not great uh i'm basically that was sony's fault throwing it in there because sam raimi did not want to do that in the first place because the sandman storyline very well done but then you throw in these other characters it just became this bloated mess yeah where if you were going to tell one story like the first one uh the first two raimi movies where it's just basically about the green goblin or uh doc ock it would have worked, yeah. but it's the fact that you're like trying to make a movie and a half. Right. And just, uh, yeah, it just, it had so much potential, so much potential. And it could have rounded out that trilogy really well. It had an opportunity. Uh, and probably could have extended into a fourth movie, but unfortunately it was the death nail to that original trilogy, uh, which from what I understand, we may get a chance to revisit some parts of that trilogy coming up here real soon. Alan, my number seven movie probably predates you by a few years, uh, but I'm going to go back and tell you about Superman four. Now 
you'll find out that I'm a huge fan of the original Superman movies, especially the first two Superman movies, which I think are still very, very good and hold up very well, mainly because they were shot both at the same time back in 1977 and 78. But Superman 4 was basically Warner Brothers trying to shoehorn Christopher Reeve back into doing a Superman movie, which he was done with Superman. He didn't want to have anything else to do with Superman. And the only way he would make this movie was because of certain demands and certain plot uh, specifics that he wanted, a political kind of twist on things that he wanted to put in there. And not only did the acting just really fall way down, we had another love interest for Clark Kent, uh, Mario Kidder just really passed her prime. Um, the visual effects were just awful. Awful in the sense of they just regressed. So Superman 4, um, you know, Lex Luthor just had, again, all the characters of the old films, original films, had just burned themselves out. The Nuclear Man, which was the new villain, basically was just was just an offset clone of Lex Luthor with nuclear powers. So there you go. That's all you need to know. Superman 4, it was a total stinker. That's my number 7. <laughs> totally agree with you on that. But uh, 7, on my end, I'm going to go with 2003's Daredevil. Yep. Uh, trying to shove so many storylines into one movie. Which is almost like a superhero's death nail. It, it's, it's, a, it's the kiss of death. Yeah. The more, up until the Avengers pulled it off, if multiple you, characters if yeah. you tried if you tried to throw many characters at the same thing more often than not you were going to mess it up and this one absolutely did because you're sitting there you have your your becoming daredevil storyline Electra's in there kingpin's in there uh bullseye's in there you have so just to put it into comparison they adapted these exact same stories because they're the the big ones anyway into the netflix series and it took them three seasons to do what they tried to do in two hours. Yeah. Well, and, and again, when we talk about a lot of these movies, when you do a first movie of any superhero franchise... You need to establish the character. you got to establish the character. you got to set the foundation. you got to flush things out. And you've got to create a connection to where you are connected to that hero. I think that's when the good movies really connect and so the characters that we've seen here in the recent years that have really connected early on is because they were flushed out they were given a proper origin and in daredevil again you have daredevil and kingpin which in and itself is a is a storyline and rivalry and competition and 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 a battle that can take place over the course of other films um, but you need to establish them two as the main ones. And then you bring in Elektra, which was a super side popular character in the comics. And I love just, and I love Elektra. But it was just it was just jammed down your throat for fan service. And then Bullseye, uh, Colin Farrell was Bullseye, definitely over the top dramatization of this character. But again, that's a character that could have been his own villain in a one whole movie. So you're yeah. right. Again, just another mistake in trying to put too much in a movie. Um, number six for me, Alan. I'm taking you back to 1997, way back, and I'm going with the very forgettable Steel. That's right, oh, featuring one of your favorite people in the world, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal, who was at uber height of popularity back in the late 90s, uh, basketball on 
on and off the court. He had ventured into the rap world. He was now doing movies. <clears throat> Kazam. Uh, and now he's trying to get his hand into comic book movies. He was a huge Superman fan. Uh, Superman emblem was a lot of what he used in, in his home and his car and his and a lot of things. And so, it was his brand. So during the death and return of Superman comic book storylines, there was this character that was created called Steel uh, in the comic books. And he wanted to adapt that particular character it just didn't work because nobody wanted this movie nobody wanted to see that character which was a very limited character at best thrown into a movie and Shaquille O'Neal was not a great actor to begin with it was not gonna work I'm sure he got paid a lot of money for it got a lot of residuals off of it um, because he was heavily involved in the creative process but yeah this movie was just bad so steel is my number six worst superhero movie all right going up on my number six x-men origins wolverine oh just the amount of times they tried to make this character they've tried to do all this work and it's just almost like they try and re rewrite a different wolverine every time anyway but this one especially trying to start a sub like a not even a spinoff but like a sub series of origin stories for all these characters and you're just loosely throwing together a story that's basically just fight scene barely stitched together it's the first appearance of Deadpool Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool who just had his mouth sewn shut for some reason the merc with a mouth couldn't talk so it's just so many weird decisions thrown into this Like, and they're so bad that in the post credit scenes for Deadpool 2 Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool goes back and kills this version of himself and Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a lot of course correction around this point uh, of trying to establish. This was they were they were trying to establish some of these solo X Men characters in their own world. Uh, obviously, Wolverine being the one, but again, they were trying to pull in and tag off all these other extra characters. And again, Deadpool. As we have seen, and as uh, the the prophet has shown, worthy of his own series. Uh, the biggest disappointment in this was a lot of feature was on the relationship between Wolverine and Sabretooth. Saber and Sabretooth in the comics was one of Wolverine's, if not his greatest enemies. And their connection, their bond, their resentment of each other, that's the movie. That's the story but it got into a whole lot of other stuff that they tried to connect. Um, obviously seeing the birth of Weapon X on the screen, mm-hmm. that was cool. That was nice. Visually, that was what we had kind of seen in the comics, but yeah, that movie just, oh, it missed the mark. It stunk. It stunk. It missed the mark. Alan, my number five movie, I am going with Fantastic Four 2015. This was the second attempt to put the Fantastic Four on the big screen after two uh, not so hugely successful attempts earlier. And basically this is a retelling of the origin, a retelling of the origin along with presenting Doctor Doom as the main Fantastic Four villain. And not only do I feel like the cast part of this was really off, 
the execution of this movie was just not good. So much for, I can tell you that I didn't even watch the entire movie. I saw the two minute trailer for this movie and I knew everything I needed to know about why I was not going to invest in this movie. I can't say that I didn't invest in some of these other bad movies. This one I never invested in and I don't think anybody else did either. So uh, it was really, really really bad deal and um uh, just just for a reference on that it took it cost them 155 million to make it they made 167 million yeah they barely made a profit and i mean and they were definitely probably in the red out of that and a lot of that probably came from overseas Mm -hmm. and whatnot but it just it did not hit the mark and it was kind of like along with x-men dark phoenix it was the death nail for that franchise now thankfully marvel owns uh, Fox, they have the rights to all of the X-Men and Fantastic Four IPs, and I pray that they make this work. They have got to make this work because these characters, these villains, all of it should be able to be done on the cinematic universe in a big grand scale. And I hope Kevin Feige just knocks it out of the park with these. So Fantastic Four 2015, that's my number five. All right, my number five, I'm going with Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Oh, stinker. Not great. Not a good movie. Uh, Nick Cage, very corny in this entire film. Horrible. Very (laughs) predictable. Like, the first one, it's passable a lot of times. It's not great, but... At least it tries. This one is just like throwing darts at a wall and just seeing what sticks, and none of it does. Yep. Yeah, it it, it really just it, it was it was just one of those things where again, Fox is trying to get some of these other. They had mm-hmm. all these rights to Marvel characters, and they're trying and to they, get them. And they needed to make these movies to, to keep them. them. And you know what? I kind of low key I enjoyed the. The first one, just from a visual standpoint, because we hadn't seen Ghost Rider in yeah. any kind of live action before, but I actually think they fleshed out Ghost Rider better with the Shield. Yeah, Agents of Shield show with, better with than a, they did in the movies. Yeah, with a a different Ghost Rider. But yeah, yeah, it's the Robbie Reyes version they show on television is leagues better. Yeah, than this one. So uh, yeah, I can I can tell you that was that was never meant to fail. Fun fact: Nicolas Cage also was possibly going to be the next Superman post Christopher Reed. He was set to uh, be in the Death of Superman movie that was conceived by Tim Burton of all people. And so I've seen some of the stock footage of that. Pretty interesting to see Nick Cage with a Superman costume on um, back in the day. But thankfully we did not get that either so uh, we moved on. Um, Alan uh, number four. We're in our top four superhero worst movies here. I'm going to go with Ang Lee's Hulk. Um, I was a huge fan of the Incredible Hulk TV series. My Probably in my top five favorite all-time TV shows. Um, I had been waiting to see the Incredible Hulk on the big screen almost as much as I waited to see Batman and Spider-Man. And I can tell you both those experiences were unbelievable. This one, however, sunk quicker than the Titanic. Um, I think it was one of those cases where Ang Lee was trying to do something different. And there were some... There were some cool things, like I liked how they tried to do the comic book panel mm-hmm. stuff. That was different. We hadn't seen that before. I didn't have a problem with that. I just did not like Eric Banya as Bruce Banner. I did not like the way, at that time, the CG Hulk looked. They would have been better off CG in somebody in the role of the Hulk as opposed to just making it. And then he didn't really have a true villain in it. 
it was it was a storyline with him and his father, and his father becomes a big villain, and it just was so over the top. It was not great at all. And so, Ang Lee's Hulk definitely in my top four. Number four superhero worst movie. All right, number four, I'm going with Batman and Robin. E. It's uh, in a in a consensus top five for most people. Consensus top five for most people. Uh, costuming choices bizarre. <laughs> uh, casting choices bizarre. Weird. So weird, and it's also this is an off the wall, super campy, super corny movie. But then you remember it was the fourth one in right. this series. And you kind of had seen where things were going to be going too from when Batman Forever came out. It was leaning toward more of a campy style, kind of like the old 60s show. But I think it made the 60s show look serious. It was that Yeah, it, it did. It absolutely <laughs> did. And it, this was an attempt to get Robin on the screen, and they didn't really... And I love Chris O'Donnell like, as an actor. But they didn't establish Robin. He's just there. Yeah. He, he would have been a great Nightwing if you wanted to put him on the screen. Um, but they just they just dropped the ball there. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Probably more with you than you realize coming up very soon. Stay tuned. Um, Alan, number three for me, Catwoman featuring Halle Berry. Oh my goodness! I, I, unfortunately, I have to say I did actually pay good money, money for this. To see this? Uh, yes, I did, and I think I left with about two thirds of the movie still. Um, about two thirds of the way of the movie left, uh, I walked out of the theater. Catwoman, at the time, had been recreated and re-envisioned in the comic books, and it was a totally different character. It wasn't the Selena Kyle character, Selena Kyle. Um, but it just this movie had no chance of succeeding. As again, when you see a movie featured on a particular restaurant cup, and you know which restaurant that cup is. That is almost a sign that this movie will not do good. It's almost like a prophecy in the format. Um, it's not that I don't like Halle Berry. She's a beautiful lady, great actress, Emmy-winning actress. This was just bad. It was it was poorly executed. It had no flavor to it, and it, it really just it was it was unfortunate because we had some great cat women in the Batman '60 show. I thought Michelle Pfeiffer was awesome was in Batman Returns. I thought they would have been better doing a carryover with her storyline which we never got um but yeah this Catwoman was bad number three for me all right number three on my end i'm gonna go with the green lantern Ooh, ryan reynolds very very notable comic book nerd loves this stuff he loves i mean he's been more famously playing deadpool for the last five six years at this point but his first attempt at a superhero was green lantern he was very excited to play this character but then <laughs> A very weak script, a very interesting choice in making all their costumes yes. CGI in 2011. Like, it, there's so many weird choices were made in this movie, and it just doesn't hold up. I, I have seen this film before. I cannot tell you what happened. <laughs> I have no idea what that movie was about. Yeah. I can tell you for a fact that I probably don't hate it as much as some mainly because they got his origin right. They did get his origin right. They, they depicted the origin as pretty much as close to the comic book as you can do it without doing it from the comic book. Um, I, I, I loved how they incorporated Oa into it. I, mm -hmm. I, I loved how they incorporated the, the space part of it because we really hadn't gotten that yet from a DC Comics movie. But yeah, I mean, some of the things that they could have done... I mean, Green Lantern in the comics does a lot of stuff. 
his imagination with the ring and how he fights with the ring is a big part of the Green Lantern character. And I think where they found the problem is they knew that putting somebody on screen in just green spandex was not going to come across. So I think that's one reason why they went with the CG, even though it wasn't a great idea. And the fact of... It's everything they did with Dr. Manhattan. Everything they did right with Dr. Manhattan and Watchmen, they did wrong with Green Lantern. And I think you can tell this movie had some some problems with it because they set up the storyline because Green Lantern's main villain in the comics was Sinestro. And Mm -hmm. they, they established their dislike for each other and disrespect for each other. And that would have been the next Green Lantern movie. And I think if given a better script better director they could have made a better Green Lantern movie oh, absolutely. with the sequel we just never got it and we may never get it again I hope we do someday uh, I know HBO Max is going to be doing a Green Lantern series fingers so crossed that works we'll see we'll see if we can do that because there's a lot of characters in the Green Lantern core as a whole again kind of like X-Men you've you got a lot of things you can play out of that so we'll see what happens there Alan number two on my list we're so close here to the top of the top ten uh-huh. the worst, worst of the superhero worst. movies Number two, I'm taking you all the way back. I've done that a lot so far. I'm taking you all the way back to 1990. And it was the very first Captain America movie. Oh, God. Um, Alan, this... Talking about breaking somebody's heart. It was so bad that this movie didn't even get enough distribution to make it to Greenwood, South Carolina. It did To even watch it in the movie theater. I had to wait almost a year... And then Blockbuster Video actually had the VHS where I could go and rent it. And I was like, yes, a Captain America movie. Ah, Man, this movie was bad. They totally butchered the origin. They made Steve Rogers. The core of Steve Rogers' character was just not portrayed. We wouldn't get that till later on with Chris Evans and First Avenger. Uh, The Red Skull, eh, it was just okay. It wasn't menacing enough you know his storyline in the comics was that he's frozen he's discovered by the avengers they didn't even touch anything with anything he was just a fish out of water he ends up falling in love with the daughter of the girl he was dating back in the day which we have seen some some twists to that in the newer captain america yeah, good old agent 13 but this is the tale of the tape here alan this movie cost i think at the time it was a little over ten and a half million dollars to make which for superhero movie seems like wow that's super cheap but it's uh, also 1990 it's 1990 yes and this movie only made a little under eleven thousand dollars <laughs> in the theater when uh box office flop is a kind word to put for this i mean the the walmart dvd dvd bin couldn't even hold this movie it was so bad and captain america one of my all-time favorite superheroes it, it just did not work. And again, this is one of the situations where there was a lot of these characters that were owned by different companies and nobody really had an idea what they wanted to do. Nope. It was not translated. I mean, they were still, people were still talking about Batman 89 when this movie came out. Um, the best superhero movie, by the way, in 1990 was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Just, Agreed. just for the fact. So that was my number two, Alan. Captain America in 1990. No, my number two is going to be Catwoman. Hey! As you brought up a couple minutes ago, how did you Jack- actually watch it? I have never seen this entire movie. I have seen bits and pieces. Of you saw movie. the poster. It's like, nope. No, it's like, this looks bad. Uh, I, I know the basketball scene is widely disputed as horrible. <laughs> I know that. It's just, 
This is why this this movie is just a big bowl of why was this made? Yeah, uh, it was a, it was an attempt to try to establish something different, and you know it just it didn't work. You, you were not in the position that you are now where you could kind of take some chance and risk with certain characters. You know what I'm saying? At the time when this movie came out, you could if you were going to make a different kind of movie, you had to really hope that you had an established fan base for it. Now you can get a feel for characters, i.e. like Spider-Man Miles Morales, who has built up his popularity through the comics, through video games. That that now is easier to put on film because you got support for that. Whereas this just didn't have anything behind it and it was just... All bad decision by Warner Brothers. One of many in their early superhero movie things. Alan, we're down to the final nitty-gritty here. Our number one top ten worst superhero movie. My number one worst superhero movie all time. It's been my forever number one, and it takes a lot to knock it out for me. Batman and Robin. You've already talked about it. Batman and Robin, for me, was really kind of the, the deathbed for the Batman movie franchise at the time. Batman 89 has a lot of love for me. I'll tell you about that later on. Uh, I didn't really dislike Batman Returns. And there were some elements of Batman Forever that I even kind of accepted. Man, but this movie just messed up. And it started with the casting of Batman. Val Kilmer um, did not come back. They went and got George Clooney, who was uber popular on TV and making a bunch of different kind of movies. And it was... That was doomed from the get go. Um, the casting of Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze, which became an over the top <sighs> campy. Again, this movie was more campy than the TV series, and that's saying something. The costumes, as you said, just it was just bad. It was really bad, and I think it was like a situation where they just they didn't really know what to do. They just thought they were doing something, and what they did was a stink fest. And it took a long time to get that taste out of a lot of people's mouth. Thankfully, Christopher Nolan would come around, I think it was about seven or eight years later on, and finally give us the a really, really good Batman on the big screen. Uh, again, Tim Burton, I thought, did a great job in 89. This just, to me, buried what he had started and killed the Batman franchise at the time. They killed the Batman. Yes. Uh, my number one worst movie, 2015's Fantastic Four. Number one for you. And did you watch this movie? No. You didn't watch this one no. either. No, so, so two movies in your top three you never even watched. Because they didn't deserve my time. <laughs> the trailer did it for the you. The trailer did enough. Like Just even watching the two minutes of that trailer, it is not the Fantastic Four. <laughs> It's not. It, it, it's like it's like here. Here's the story, and here's these four characters that you know. They're they're not related at all. Yeah. It it's so frustrating because they're Fantastic Four is a very interesting group. They're you you love to see the Baxter building. You love to see all these things going on. But they just completely gloss over everything. Yeah. Honestly, I think Michael B. Jordan is the only redeemable part of that cast. Yeah. It there's just so frustrating, and it's. It's it's piled on by the fact that they had failed before yep. and made the same mistakes a second time. It's like, how can you get worse? Well, hold up. We'll show you. And yep. they did. And they regressed. And they regressed using the same villain. So not only did you take the yeah, superhero You literally did team, the story again. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you took the superhero team and pushed them down further. Now you took an amazing, awesome, outstanding villain 
again, a villain that could stand on his own for a full Absolutely. three films, and you buried it. And yeah, I mean that movie just oh, gross. Don't don't even waste your efforts to even watch it. I'm telling you guys. Well, Alan, that's our top ten worst superhero movies. Um, a lot of differences on our list, but a lot of mutual sentiment for most of these movies. And I'm sure there's people out there listening to this that whoever listens to this will have their own uh, likes and dislikes. And again, we're kind of expanding a lot of years here. I'm going all the way back to, you know, even 80s and 90s stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think both of our top 10s probably could uh, stand on their own uh, and, and, and excited to talk about it. So we're going to uh, take a break and we're going to come back in part two. We're going to discuss our top 10 best superhero movies so excited to talk about these movies uh, i think you're going to like both our lists because there are some differences there but it's going to be exciting so stay tuned we'll be right back with more on the lwa podcast top 10 best superhero movies Welcome back, guys, to our top 10 best worst superhero movies of all time. We have gone through our top 10 worst super movie superhero movies. Um, could be argued that some of them are the top 10 worst movies of all time. I'm sure there's a few that might would generate into there. Um, but we have gone through the worst. Now we're going to go through the best. We're going to get positive here. And Alan Ellis is joining me. Uh, thank you so much for being here with me, Alan, to record this podcast Uh a very near and dear subject here superhero movies we both love and again we're kind of stretching out over uh several decades here <laughs> so we've got a lot of choices but obviously you'll probably see within our top 10 some differences not necessarily because of we don't think all these other movies are not good it's just when you get to it i mean for me my top 10 could be totally different this time next year so depends on how much you rewatch. Um, a lot of things, Alan, for me going forward, the best superhero movie, I look for how, how much of the impact it was, um, the director, the story, the cast, the soundtrack, visual effects, how close it is to the actual source material. Those are kind of things that really define the, a really good superhero movie. And there's a lot of choices. And um, so uh, let's get started. I, I, I'm excited about this list. Uh, what is your number 10? Oh, we're going in reverse. Reverse. Snake order. Oh, snake order. Uh, number 10, I'm going to go with Deadpool. All right. Uh, big fan of Ryan Reynolds and his acting. And just when he gets to play a character that he absolutely loves, you can absolutely tell. Right. It, he's one of those incredible people that's very good at that. And this movie managed to do a very odd character, a character that in the comics is aware he is a comic and <laughs> speaks directly to you. He breaks the fourth wall all the time. They made, they got through all that, uh, um, adapted that into a film format, and didn't make it feel corny or out of place. It felt spiritually exactly like what you were going in to see. Yeah. They proved that an R-rated superhero movie could work. They proved that a, a superhero movie you make on not a lot could work. They took, they made this on less than sixty million and made over seven hundred million on yeah. this movie. They went, they made some bank. They made some bank on this movie. It, it was a big deal. And it still is. The sequel did almost as well as this. So it's nice to see that this is going to be... And this is going to be one of the few characters that's more than likely going to be pulled straight from its Fox adaptation and moved into the MCU. Yeah. So there's... So much right was done with this movie. And they did it on such a smaller scale. You didn't need the rest of the X-Men, really. You had two other X-Men in this movie. There were basically three characters in this entire film. Yeah. And it just worked. 
yep it was it was definitely a risk um and it was definitely a character that could have been definitely presented as being a hoot but i think even the test footage that they originally filmed for this movie that he leaked so, by the way that he totally leaked yeah, by the way so popular that it got so much of a drive for this movie that people, when it came out, people were just waiting for it. So, uh, yeah, definitely not a, not not one you can watch with the, uh, with the sons the and the daughters. Not there. with the kids. Um, but yeah, I can see uh, based on just money alone, this movie was a was a contender as far as superhero movies go. Alan, my number ten, my number ten movie is Spider Man Homecoming. Might be a little high for for some countdowns and top tens, but. There's a couple of things why it's in my, it, it's in my top ten. Number one, um, again, we were kind of left with a bad taste after Spider-Man 3 because we got two other Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield. Amazing Spider-Man, which some of that, I actually kind of like that one. Um, but Amazing Spider-Man 2, again, the, the, the equation of failure for a superhero movie is to do too much and try to push too much without fleshing out everything. Amazing Spider-Man 2 was that awful. Movie. Was that movie? It was awful. And uh, it was probably right on the outside of my top 10 worst movies. So we had a bad taste for Spider-Man. And then we got this glorious introduction from Spider-Man into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this was his first brand new movie. And this actually made Spider-Man a high school student, which he was so lot, so much in the comics. Peter Parker in high school. Um, and given this responsibility, given this, this brand new suit by Tony Stark, which I love the way that was conceived and introduced. Tony Stark, Iron Man was a mentor. But this is a this is a guy who's trying to, he's an awkward kid, he's an awkward teenager, he's trying to fit in, he's got a great best friend, great comedy in this movie. Um, and visually it just it looked like spider-man it felt like spider-man and underwhelming maybe by some people but to me a great superhero movie has to have a great villain and michael keaton was the vulture in this movie and one of the things that we'll probably talk about a lot is you can feel his villain you can understand why he was a bad guy you can feel why he's why he had bad intentions his two scenes with peter where their connection and the reveal take place are just amazing cinema i can i can remember being in the cinema and people just gasped when he opens up the door like, when peter <gasps> comes to get mj and it's like oh there he is so um yeah it, this movie had everything tom holland is the perfect spider-man i don't know moving forward going down the road if you could ever do another peter parker the same way that tom holland has done it he was awesome. Number ten movie, Spider Man Homecoming. What is your number nine? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just double down on what you said real quick. But that, that movie, Spider Man Homecoming, fantastic film. Just you, most movies in the last twenty years have been balanced in a certain color way. But because he wears the suit so often, it's red and green. It looks more striking. It looks different than most movies, but in a subtle way that you wouldn't normally right. realize. But it's. It pops. It looks very, very good on screen. You have all this going on. And I will... That scene in the car when <laughs> Vulture is driving him around and it subtly changes the glowing stoplight from red to green, the Vulture's color. It, it's just such a casual and such a subtle thing. They did all the subtle things right in this movie. And it just works. Yep. So, it, was, it, was, it was great. So my number nine, I'm going with Lego Batman movie. Yeah. 
Absolutely. That's right. We are. We didn't clarify earlier. We 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 are considering live and animation. We didn't do a lot of bad animation movies because I don't think there are a lot of bad. Animation. There are a lot of bad ones. More of them are direct to DVD. Yeah, uh, we, we just kind of go from the cinematic version. We have known. Uh, but yeah, Batman Lego Movie. Love this movie. Love this movie. It, I I love a movie that answers a question. Like you ask a simple question and you answer it. This movie asks quite simply: Can Batman be happy? <laughs> Can he? Like, because he always, no matter what iteration you see of this, he's always dark, brooding. Something depressing has happened to this man. Whether it's his, his parents, Rachel, uh, Tim Drake, any of these. Anytime you pick up a Batman comic, more often than not, something depressing has just happened. Yeah. And it, it's one of those, one of those movies that's, yeah, it's satirical, it's comedic. But you break down to the bare bones and you actually look at the plot. It is a Batman story. Yeah. It, it is. It's it's this jealousy between of the Joker not being the number one villain in Batman's life. Batman kind of denying the fact that he cares about fighting the Joker. And just all of these colorful cast of characters coming together. And I just love how corny some of them are. Some of the ones that, you know, you got your, your Poison Ivies, your Cat Women, your yeah. things like that. But they're like, oh, let's screw it up. Uh, Condiment Man, Condiment King, uh, Calendar Man, just all these other ones mm. that are actually, <laughs> they're actually people that are in the comics. Kite Man, shout out my guy. <laughs> it, but, but they just made it funny and it's a good, good film. <laughs> It really is. It's, it's actually been discussed as one of the better Batman movies Will Arnett done. Is, Will Arnett is the but, best Batman. But Will Arnett's voiceover was just awesome in this. And so, yeah, it just... This movie hit a lot of good spots and, and did really well in the box offices as well. Um, so, so Batman Lego movie, Alan's number nine best superhero movie. My number nine best superhero movie, and again, might be one some would consider low, but I just had a lot in front of it that just just felt better for me but number nine for me captain america winter soldier i talked about how captain america was one of my all-time favorite superheroes um had waited a long time for them to get captain america right in some kind of live action way um definitely underrated is captain america first avenger i love that movie i loved how they established his true comic book origin the character of steve rogers we we figured out how to show steve rogers the character how selfless he was how he wanted just to serve his country how he was a true patriot really Mm -hmm. and we get that fleshed out in this and then we see how he becomes a soldier and how does he become a leader and thus really taking that character to another level and got a great villain in the Red Skull thought that they presented the Red Skull in a really good way it may be a little bit underwhelming at times but um, you could sense that there was the friction there um, in that first movie now I'm talking about First Avenger, but my number nine movie is Winter Soldier. And the reason why this one took it up a notch for me and would be over First Avenger is because Winter Soldier was the first time we got our superhero movie that was a political thriller. thriller. It was espionage. It was um, it was kind of undercover. Was, who do you trust? Yeah, it was a lot of turning your head left and right stuff that we hadn't really had in a lot of the superhero movies and it's, and again for a superhero movie this was this was something you could see like on network tv 
you just throw it in a superhero in the form of Captain America. But the story itself, the visual reality, the fight scenes. Oh, man. Fight scenes in the Captain America movies as a whole. Number one for me. And also, this was the movie that gave us the Russo brothers involvement in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I would dare say this is the movie uh, where everything kind of... Uh, shifted a little bit and the Russo brothers became more involved in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and things really kind of started amping up here. This was probably, Alan, and you can you can say this, other than the first Avengers, this was probably the really the first solid start to finish Marvel movie I, I that think, we get. I think this is the one that it's the most important. It's the one where you really got that Marvel feel. That it, what what an MCU movie is supposed to feel like. Especially the modern day comic Marvel feel that we have yeah. now. Winter Soldier was an awesome storyline in the comics. And the visual with him, oh man, nailed it. Like Bucky was incredible in this film. And everything from... Like I, did, I didn't mind the Captain Marvel film. I thought it, I thought it was alright. I thought the writing was weak. But everything that they played with the amnesia that she goes through was a little rough they did pretty much the same thing with Bucky in this movie and they did it to a T perfect so Cap- it was so good Captain America Winter Soldier my number 9 movie Alan what's your number 8 movie? number 8 we're gonna go to the next Captain America and go for Civil War okay I love this film Captain America Civil War is one of my absolute favorite Marvel movies it's one of my favorite movies period it's just such a good story and a one of the first times I mean the Avengers had you got your six heroes on screen. Age of Ultron, you got some more of them, but uh, that one's a little hit or miss. You could argue this was the best Avengers movie. The, you could argue this was the best Avengers movie at the time. Yeah. It, and I love seeing these two sides pitted against each other. I love these movies that that live in a gray area. Like, yes, you have the peop- your protagonists you follow and your antagonists that are against them, obviously. But... They're, they don't make it so it's easily good guy, bad guy. These are both the heroes, both sides of the heroes you've been following for seven years at this point, seven, eight years at this point. So it's a big deal when you're like, wait, I loved Iron Man, but I don't agree. Yeah. Or I loved Cap, but I don't agree. Yeah. So you, you have this whole incredible deal going around. All these characters, you get Black Panther for the first time, and you see Chadwick Boseman's first appearance as this character which on top of everything um I forget the actor's name but the one that played T'Chaka the one that played his father in this film just speaks Chosa I can't I can't do it correctly just speaks this this African language that Chadwick learned on the fly and then made that a part of T'Challa's character that lasted all the way through his run as the character that's incredible and this is a secondary role in this movie this isn't even the big deal but they they flipped this movie on its head. They took the Russo brothers took a movie or a formula that was typically hero meet villain, build up, build up, build up, big fight. They have the big fight at the midpoint, and it gets down to this brutal personal thing at the yeah. end. And then all of this set up by Baron Zemo, who completely powerless, and all he wanted was to break them apart. Yeah. He got what he wanted. Yeah. 
it was it was a great movie and it incorporated so many elements it's definitely in my top 10 list and i'll talk about some more on this movie as we keep going forward here alan number eight for me is batman begins by christopher nolan um as i said batman and robin my number one worst superhero movie left a forever bad taste of batman in my mouth here in the cinematic universe and we needed a reboot an entire reboot of Batman in the movie business. And so Christopher Nolan comes along and creates this visual, gritty, reality-based Batman origin story. And when I say origin story, we always know how Batman is laid out with his origin story of his parents getting killed when he was young and his motivation for becoming Batman. But we actually get to see Batman year one on the screen, which I loved. I loved uh, seeing how they showed his background with the, the League of Assassins, Ra's al Ghul, who's a great comic book villain, a great foil in the Batman universe. They present him on there, Liam Neeson, awesome in that role. Uh, we get to see Bruce Wayne training, and then he comes back to reclaim his livelihood, which everybody thought he was dead. And so now he's got bukus of money. They, I love the introduction of Lucius Fox, Morgan Freeman, as his supplier for all of his toys. Lucius and his was weapons. so good in this film. And, um, but this movie had big scale, big scope to it. Not to mention a subtle introduction to the Scarecrow for the first time, which might have been the best villain part of this whole movie. Um, but yeah, man, this this movie just... This, this give... Re, rekindled the fire for Batman on the big screen for me. Batman Begins is my number eight. Alan, what is your number seven best superhero movie? Number seven is Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2! Love this film. Love. Well, I'll go ahead and tell you, my number seven is Spider-Man 2, so we can actually really like oh, uh, we, we can have a, get everything out on the table. We, we can throw everything out on the table. We don't have to hold back before our own time. But this movie, it the first Spider-Man in the Sam Raimi trilogy, very, very good. But this one, when I look back at a spot at a superhero movie, what I what I think of the quintessential modern superhero movie, what really sparked everything and helped us push forward towards getting your your X-Men movies, your MCU, your DCU, all these movies in the first place, was this film right here. It's for the formula is pretty much the same as when this movie came out. You have these great this great villain and you they make sure you understand the villain. You understand Norman Osborn. You understand not Norman Osborn. You understand Doc Ock. You understand everything that's going on in his life. Why he's just slowly being driven mad. Yep. You see Peter struggling with with the the pressure of continuing to be this hero. And there are so many iconic scenes in this movie. Yes. There's so much good that comes in this. The train scene, not the least of them. Yeah. But there's just so, so much on the table that you look back and you're like, this movie did it right. Well, and you can go back actually and you can watch the Spider-Man 2.5 version, which is actually an extended edition of some of those really good action scenes that visually at the time were really ahead of the game. And the Spider-Man Doc Ock fights in the comic books were really epic because visually there was a lot going on. With the, with the octopus arms and Spider-Man's movement and fluidity. So they really nailed that. When they're sitting there fighting up and down a building, 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, as they're crawling or whatnot. Um, and again, Alfred Molina doing a great job as Dr. Octopus. You, you, you get to feel why he becomes what he becomes. You see his intentions, as you said. Uh, and that's the, the core of a great villain is you almost feel sorry for him. You, you have sympathy for you him. Ha- you have sympathy Even though you can't him. pull for him. But it's like, I get that. I understand why he's like that. Like, you, you have sympathy for him. And like he... he Dr. Octopus is quite literally the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. That, that, that is the character across most of time that has always been that character's arc. But we see Spider-Man in college struggling. How does he balance being Peter Parker? Everything that comes with Peter Parker, paying rent, keeping a job, going to college. Oh, by the way, trying when does to have this a man relationship. Sleep? When does this then man sleep? Then you do Spider-Man, and it's just, it's just a great... He loses his confidence at one point, and I love how they... Did the Spider-Man No More kind of mm-hmm. scenario mixed in? Mm-hmm. This had a lot of the comic book source material mixed in with it. Spider-Man 2. Fantastic. Great movie. Number six for you, Alan. Number six, I'm going to go with Logan. Yes, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. I haven't Jack- taught a lot of the X-Men movies. Um, and I would definitely say the, the early incarnation of the X-Men movies were really good. Um, but this was a situation here for Logan, for you, I know... It's almost like it really is. It's hard to call it a superhero movie. It's just a good movie. It's a good movie that happens to have a superhero in it. Like it doesn't know a lot of superhero things in it. He, he doesn't. He's pretty much he spends the entire movie denying that he ever wants to be Wolverine again. Yeah. Like he he spends most of this movie as a limousine driver. <laughs> like that part kind of gets glossed over. But it's you adapt old man old man Logan, and this is a dark story. Very very dark. And it's interesting to see how they pull all that together. You get all this cool stuff going on. You see, you see Professor X starting to lose his mind, which becomes a serious issue. Yeah. You start that. You see X. You see X thirteen. Or yeah, you see X thirteen. You see all these different characters getting brought through and seeing Logan literally, basically look at himself in the mirror when twenty years ago. Or even longer for him because he's yeah. been so long. But like, just looking at looking at a different version of himself and being like, "Oh my God, I was really like that." Yeah. And like, it takes him almost two hours into the movie to do anything heroic at all. Right. He just tries. To, he's just chasing her because he lost her. Yeah. And then he finally gets to her, realizes that these kids are mutant and just want to have a good life and not be hunted. And then he helps fight. In the final 15 minutes of the movie, the only times you really see the claws outside of the beginning when he's just threatening somebody. You, <laughs> you you really don't see it a lot. Yeah. And just that stunning scene at the end when he passes away and X-13 changes or put takes a twig cross and changes it to an X right above where he's buried is a striking image that will hold on. For all the good and bad that the X-Men franchise did for that Fox run, for all the bad that is Dark Phoenix, there's always a movie like this. Yeah. Yeah, they rounded out. I think Hugh Jackman's portrayal of Wolverine definitely had ups and downs. <laughs> say the and least. no necessarily fault of him. I just think some of the movies in the middle of that process just did not help him as far as the script, as far as the source material, and also the people around him. But obviously his introduction, 
Um, you know, his impact. Um, I thought the role that he played in Days of Future Past was He was really great in good. Days of Future Past. And then this movie really finished him out. So Logan is your number six. My number six movie, Alan, is The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight is the follow-up to Batman Begins, the second movie in the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. And man, as you can probably tell by my top 10, there's a lot of sequels in this thing. And it's hard to make a sequel better than the original. And I think this one knocked it out of the park. Um, we get the introduction of the Joker. At this time, this was his second portrayal on the big screen. And definitely a different presentation of the Joker. And we've seen a lot of presentations of the Joker over the years. Heath Ledger, uh, unfortunately, did not live long enough to see the finished product. Obviously, they got a lot of his stuff done early. And it almost makes you wonder if they wanted to do more, but they really couldn't get his story really fleshed out fully to conclude it. I think as they spread out the movie, as they paced the movie, they spread his part out enough to keep him into the plot of the movie. But I think that's why they had to bring in Two-Face, Harvey Dent, that character in the end, just to kind of round out some sort of villain thing. And I didn't like that part. That's probably the one part of the movie I didn't like. But, but you understood why. But you understood why. And visually, man, this movie just gorgeous. I mean, he's in like Japan. You know, he's like he's like jumping off of buildings in Japan. You know, and fight scenes. These fight scenes in these movies are also very, very good. And I just thought The Dark Knight delivered as a sequel. I thought that this was a great flushing out continuation of Batman's story. And we see him go from being a hero to a vigilante at the end and just a little bit of a twist into that Batman Dark Knight narrative and also I love Commissioner Gord's character he was all these movies these three Nolan movies so Dark Knight is my number six Alan we're in the top five what is your number five best superhero movie number five I'm going with Guardians of the Galaxy volume two Volume 2. Volume 2. Okay, not Volume 1. No. It's, okay, interesting. Like, interesting. I, I think they're some of the most stunning visuals in the entire Marvel cinema, Cinematic Universe are, are in this film. Most notably, the Ravager funeral at the very end of this movie. There's so much comedic heart to this movie. I'm I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Stuff like that. I, I just love that whole misfit group. Like, we spend the first movie, it's great, but we spend the first movie getting to know these characters. The second movie, you don't have to do that. Yeah. You can, you know who they are, and you get this adventure. And you love to see this interesting story with a bizarre villain and ego. Very bizarre. You, you just accept he's a living planet. Yeah. You just accept that. But you, you learn all these things about Peter's life that Peter never knew. You knew about, uh, you knew about Peter Quill getting pulled up by by the alien ship. When he was 10, when his mother was passing away from brain cancer. And then you come to find out that his father, who is this living planet, is the one that did that. Yeah. You you come to find all of this dark side. And it, it's a real don't meet your heroes story. Yeah. Like, he he always imagined his dad. He, he kept saying for two movies that his dad was David Hasselhoff. <laughs> so, you, you get this... He has this picturesque version of what he thinks his dad is and it's not yeah like it, expectations all are always greater than reality right and it really shows that on screen and it it doesn't shy away from the emotion of that it doesn't shy away from the emotion of uh 
of Gamora and Nebula dealing with their whole sisterhood relationship. They don't shy away from anything. Rocket's depressing as well. Yeah. And hopefully, reportedly, that's the story we're going to get in Guardians 3, but that's going to be several years from now. But it there's just so much good stuff thrown into this for a bunch of characters that five years before this movie, no one knew who they were. Yeah. It's just, uh, I think the Guardians of the Galaxy movie in itself, the franchise, was a risk for Marvel. It was, it like, was, uh, it, it it was blo- a big step out. What blows me away is that, looking through the list, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 is the 10th MCU movie. Yeah. It does not feel like it's that early. It doesn't. But it also, it had to, they had to find a way to establish the cosmic part and the Thanos storyline had to get pulled out more through the Guardians of the Galaxy because Thanos' story is tied in with Gamora, therefore it's tied in with Guardians of the Galaxy. So you can't have Thanos in Infinity War without having his portrayal along the way, especially in the Guardians movies, and that relationship with Gamora also doesn't have the same feel unless you have Guardians of the Galaxy. So to me, this was like Marvel's Star Wars. Guardians it of was. the Galaxy was, it was. basically the... the the, the area that they really got to succeed. Alan, my number five superhero, best superhero movie is Infinity War. Um, and really interesting enough, one of the reasons why it's my best superhero movie is because I think it's actually one of the best villain movies ever done in a superhero movie. Because this movie and it, and essentially is a Thanos movie. We get our full, full throttle Thanos introduction into this movie right out of the gate we see the very first scene of the movie Thanos taking over killing a bunch of Asgardians dominating Thor and it, humbling Hulk and if you're watching this movie like in sequ- you're thinking this dude's bad like if you're watching this movie in sequential order with the Marvel movies you literally just came off not 30 seconds ago this happy ending yeah. of Thor Ragnarok yeah so where some of the movies were a little spaced in time and some movies are prequels here and there this movie flows right out of um, the end of Ragnarok and man Thanos was just a bad character we get introduced in the Dark Order and then Alan again sometimes when you put a lot of characters on screen together it can be a really disaster Marvel and more specifically the Russo brothers did a great job in Civil War of balancing out all the characters that they had in this movie they did the same thing we see Iron Man and Doctor Strange who totally clash and then you throw in they're so similar and then you throw in Spider-Man as the as the third party um, because Spider-Man had been introduced at this point so you have that story going on then you have the Guardians and Thor which is just comedy gold Thor and Star-Lord trying to one-up each other in masculinity here and manhood. Thor's relationship with Rocket, awesome through this. And then the other part of this is, oh, by the way, the exiled Captain America, now Nomad, along with Black Widow and Falcon, and Scarlet Witch and Vision, who are all lumped together. And Vision, knowing now he's become the hunted uh, because of the stone that he carries. So you, you, you have three different story arcs all leading to one big conclusion and man visually this movie was awesome some of the special effects the fight scenes the the scene where thor comes in just everybody got crazy excited when that happened but alan the end of this movie when the dusting happens when he snaps those fingers and you're thinking oh thor why did you not cut off his arm why did you not go for why that why did you not go for that and 
oh man, it just, to me, it was like, it was, it was really something I never felt in a movie. There were people screaming at the movie theater. They were screaming at the screen. They were screaming at their neighbors. You had new characters that had just been introduced, like, like Spider-Man. Like two years and prior. And Black Panther, and they're dusted. And we were thinking, they're going to come back, but why did you have to take them now? So Infinity War, it, it, it really drains you. When you watch that movie. It, it is an emotional, emotional movie. Especially after you've carried over all the other movies, and you get to that point, because like, man, what do we do? Where are we going from this? And so, a lot of credit to Kevin Feige, a lot of credit to the Russo brothers. Infinity War is my number five. Alan, your number four best superhero movie. Number four, we're going to go with The Dark Knight. Dark Knight. As mentioned previously, very, very great movie. Christopher Nolan coming out. And I don't think it can be understated that he made these movies before he made Inception 10 and any of these other, like, mind-bending films. Right. But... I don't think that can be overstated. This is this is a gritty, realistic adaptation of a character that up until this point had been campy almost every time you'd seen him. A lot of psychology in this. A lot this of psychology into this. And I I love these little breakdowns. And I mean, if you if you pay attention to how media evolves over, this is a more like modern, postmodern type of thing where it's more introspective, more focused on what the hero is the is the hero a hero first off and then what makes him tick like why is he doing the things he's doing it's not just action as much as it is why is this happening right which makes it really really good but then you have this whole deal with the joker this whole deal with rachel this whole deal with two-face all of this put together just works so well in this unhinged Attempt this unhinged portrayal of Joker is just so good, yeah. And so many good directing decisions. You got to give it to you have to give it to Christopher Nolan for what he did in these movies, because there's the the iconic scene of Joker just pressing the the detonator and it's not going off, trying to blow up the hospital. Just keeps tapping it until it finally does go off. Not intentional right. by any like that wasn't intentional. That was an accident. Yeah. But they left that take in the movie because they thought it just made more sense. Right. You have that, you have the whole the whole shooting of Oracle, you have all of these things going together. And it's it's a character, Joker specifically, up until this point, every time you'd ever seen him for the most part, was this was quite literally just a, a crazy clown. Yeah. This one was a demented maniac with Scars. With scars. <laughs> scars. Why so serious? Uh, why so serious? Um and, and they really Oh, and don't forget the pencil trick. And, and don't forget the fact that he also, in a sense, where he was an anarchist. Yeah. But some of the things he was discussing, some of the things he was trying to get across, it created chaos. It created anarchy, um, which he was trying to do. And and it comes down to that last part of the movie where Batman has a choice. Do you save all these people that are gonna die here soon with this bomb, or do you go and say the woman you love? And it comes down to Batman. Does he have faith in people? Does he have faith in people? And you know, I feel like part of that movie is what we need to watch now in this day and time that we're living in, and seeing that hopefully the good of people, the faith that we can have in people, can overcome bad things. And that's what happens. And it totally goes against what the Joker planned. Yeah. Because the Joker had planned something totally different. So uh, yeah, this movie was just in. Incredible, Alan, let me keep that theme. My number four movie. 
number four movie. A lot of symbolism here. Number four movie. The Incredibles. Why is The Incredibles my number four movie? Because it was the best Fantastic Four movie that's been ever made. It's the movie that we need to have for the Fantastic Four. The Incredibles. Pixar came up with this original concept superhero movie that was a little bit of old school superhero, a little bit of modern day superhero, but it was a focus on a superhero family. Mr. Incredible, Elastigirl. They're coming together, becoming married, having these kids. And Alan, this movie just it checks off all the boxes. Great superhero movie. Great villain. And you see the villain's motivation. And this crazy kid who got turned away from being a sidekick goes and buys, hey, what do I do? I'm just going to go buy a whole desert island <laughs> and totally fortify everything. Uh, visually, this movie was great. The story was great. Uh, the cast was great in this movie. I love The Incredibles. Best, best Fantastic Four movie that we haven't got yet. But The Incredibles checked off all the boxes. That's why it's in my top four spot, i.e. there, number four. There, a little symbolism there for you. Uh, well, what is your number three? I, I see what you did there. My number three, I'm going to go with Captain America the Winter Soldier. I got you. Uh, as mentioned previously, absolutely love this film. It's political thrill. It is a, The thing I love the most about these Captain America films is that they are just they're X film with superhero. Right. It's not a superhero movie on its face most of the time. But then you get these cool ones where the first one's a period piece in World War II. This one's this political thriller that really makes you uneasy. That elevator scene is fantastic. Don't ever forget how great that scene is. Yeah. I love that scene. And then seeing, like, it, if it was brought back up in Endgame, you know that scene was very successful. Right. And then this scene was a big part of that. It's incredibly wonderful, and all of the things that they've, they did in this movie were just on par they were great because you break it down and it's pretty much the only people you can trust in this movie are really Cap Cap and Sam he Cap doesn't trust Natasha fully for most of this movie but she gains his trust and you get the three of them pretty much fighting their way through this trying to deal with the Winter Soldier these real fight scenes with with Sebastian Stan actually knowing how to flip these knives how to do all these tricks was incredible to watch like he and it's just all of this feels so real yeah is what it is there's it's gritty everything the highway fight scene in this movie is by far my favorite fight scene in any marvel movie well i mean the opening scene the, the opening, opening scene is fantastic when they board a ship and captain america is just like running the gauntlet through these guys <laughs> and just taking everybody out and not even thinking twice about it. Like, Black Widow's literally trying to have a real life conversation like, with them. They're just there's like, what about that cute girl that lives next door? <laughs> and then he gets in that fight there with um with Batrock and he takes off his mask. He says, What are you without the you know, without the mask and shield? He's let's find out and then they just go toe to toe with it. And I think that was like the evolution of Steve Rogers too in this movie was really good. And because he was torn. He was torn between uh, service, service to the country, service to S.H.I.E.L.D., and then also what the greater picture was. Exactly. He had, a, he, had a, he had an internal conflict, but also, who could you trust? It had The movie had you going left and right. Like, you, you, you had no idea you were going through all, all the twists and turns in this movie. And it, it can't be overstated how fish out of water this man is. Because at the point of this movie, I think he'd only been out for three years. Yeah. He'd been unfrozen for two, like three or four years. And you're sitting there thinking, 
that when he went in the when he went in the ice, it was very easy to be America good, Nazi bad. Yep. And then he comes out and he finds out that the Nazis are part of the group he's been helping. Right. So it's it, the black and white becomes a very mixed gray, and he has to learn that. Yeah, um, it's a really, really great movie. And again, the Captain America trilogy of movies probably the best. One of the best, if not the best. You could argue it's the best. It's the best. Um, Alan, number three for me, I'm going to go with Captain America Civil War. Speaking of Captain America movies, why is Captain America Civil War in my top three? Well, number one, I think this is the Marvel movie that takes things to the ultimate level. It takes things up a notch. We get not only this movie that's going to give us a ton of Avengers and superheroes, we get another Russo Brothers movie out of this as they balance all these storylines and characters in this movie. We get, and it really is a Captain America movie at the heart of it, but we get these two amazing introductions to two of the most popular characters in the Marvel Universe, Black Panther and Spider-Man. And the way they did this, Alan, the way they introduced these characters, um, Spider-Man only really had two scenes in this thing. Black Panther, the fuel for his becoming Black Panther and uh, just the hurt and the heart and the personal vengeance that he has on his mind here with the Winter Soldier, their relationship, their connection. But the introduction of Spider-Man and Black Panther really put this movie over the top. And talking about superhero movies, what defines great superhero movies? One of the things is what kind of action, what kind of fight scenes? And this arguably... But in my opinion, has the greatest superhero fight scene on cinematic reels ever. It's about a 17-minute airport scene. As you said, it wasn't even the final part of the movie. No, this is the midpoint. This is almost the midpoint. And you got all of these Avengers coming at each other, going at it. And then when they clash, you just see like a myriad of visuals. It's a living comic book, man. And it just... I mean, we get the introduction of Giant Man, uh, his format of the Ant-Man universe, and we get to see how these characters interact with each other. Spider-Man with his comedy. Spider-Man and Captain America interacting with each other. Um, Hawkeye, really a fish out of water because he has no idea that he's going to be against Black Panther in a total mismatch here. <laughs> I mean... And, and there, there's so many things that happen. And Vision was actually kind of underused. His was power very, was yeah, underused. Yeah, he was very underused, and Wanda as well, for that matter. Yeah. And you you see so many little things in this, so many little things in this fight get called back in the final in um in Endgame. You see, like you mentioned the Hawkeye Black Panther thing. As I always think back to I haven't seen I haven't seen you. Who are who are you? I'm Clint. He's like I don't care. We get Ant Man into this. We get all these introductions of these characters crossing into each other. And again, going back to it, you have two distinct sides here of an argument. Two distinct sides. And neither that, are necessarily wrong. No, there's there's parts on both. And it's like you have this very underwhelming, behind-the-scenes villain in uh, Zemo who is trying to manipulate them. And he does. He manipulates the Winter Soldier. And he does. And he pushes them against you. And he gets this conflict between Cap and Iron Man in a very vicious final fight that ultimately gives us potentially the end of Captain America as we know it. Leaves um, the shield. Leaves the shield, becomes Nomad, um, and at the Avengers as we know it are done. Done. At the end of this movie, they are done. And we have no idea what's going to happen after this. This movie was awesome visually and everything to it. That was my number three, Captain America Civil War. Alan, we've got two movies left on our top ten best superhero movies. Your number two is one that's near and dear to your heart. Which one is that? Number two, very, very dear 
near and dear to my heart. Dear, near, and here. Dear, near, and here. <laughs> uh, Black Panther. Great movie. I absolutely adore this film. This, like, not only... I'll, I'll get to the cultural Shout impact. Shout out to South Carolina's Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman's great. Yes. Like, I'll get to the cultural impact in a minute, but just to break the movie itself down, this wonderful story between between uh, T'Challa and Killmonger, this rivalry between these two guys, this T'Challa, this isolationist who doesn't want to let uh, let the world know how technologically advanced Wakanda is, versus Killmonger who just wants to create a little anarchy, really, and just fight, fight back and fight and hurt people for him being hurt or his and his people being hurt for generation after generation. Which, you can understand both sides of that argument, but you've po- pointed out poor Nadia comes in and she's just like, he's not totally wrong here. Yeah. It, it's just... It's really kind of a, a carry-off of the Civil War, what yeah. we got with Captain Iron Man. Yes. You have two opposing viewpoints, but really you see some things on both, both sides, sides and where the conflict comes from. Yeah, you and you get all this. But Michael B. Jordan... Absolutely kills that character. Like Killmonger, it, obviously, in my opinion, one of the top he, he, three. He is my villains. he is my favorite. He just nailed this part. He, he is by far my favorite villain. His confidence came he, across just so much, so much confidence that Warrior Falls battle. Everything about this man. Yep. And like, there's so many subtle things. You like Shuri has those two versions of the suit that she's showing to T'Challa, and one of them's gold plated, and he makes the point that uh, the point is to not be seen. And guess what? guess which one that Killmonger yeah. takes later in the movie. Yeah. It's just so many subtle things like that that it works so well. My only real qualm with the movie itself is that that final fight scene wasn't finished when it's they released the movie. It, it's not a bad fight. It's just not done is all it is. But that's one thing. The reason I rank this movie so high, it's my favorite Marvel movie on top of anything, but the reason I rank this one so high is the cultural impact of this movie cannot be understated. Yeah. Like, they're... There are so many times, like we've seen, and I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's, we've seen a thousand white male superheroes. We've seen a, th- we've seen hundreds of, uh, we've seen hundreds of female superheroes. Most of them not done great until recently, but point being that they had been there. There, there was not a lot, if any, African American superheroes, or well, to be fair, he is African, so like black superheroes. There's not, there was not a lot of this. Like, there was not the character, outside of maybe Rhodey, that, a, that a, like, a young African-American kid could look at the screen and be like, that one's me. Like, I can I could sit here and I could be like, oh, I got Steve Rogers, I've got Tony Stark, I've got Peter Parker, I've got all these people. Th- they didn't have that. Yeah. And this, I will never forget being in these, in the theaters when these movies were coming out, seeing this movie. I think I saw this three times in theaters. Mm-hmm. And every time that I saw this movie... The the joy on these children's face is it cannot be understated. It's absolutely one of the most important things that has happened in cinema in the last five years. And it's it's a shame. It's sad that Chadwick passed away. But I'm a big fan of Marvel's stance. Not gonna recast T'Challa. The Black Panther mantle will move on, but T'Challa himself, it's and done. You, and it's you done. can get you can actually go and do probably some prequel-esque stuff because of the lineage of the Black Panther character was passed on from generation to generation to generation. Yeah, you, you can go back and There's do, a lot of stuff in the history of yeah, the you, that you, you can cover. Yeah, you can go back and do T'Chaka. That would be a good TV series. It actually. would. You can go back and do T'Chaka. You can let Shuri take it for the time being, and I think that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. It, but I do think at some point down the road, 
Um, there, there's going to be an, even more of an extension of this universe. Yeah. At some point, but again, there's a lot of <laughs> like we we we, we can wait a while. But yeah, Chadwick Boseman's, Boseman's portrayal. Uh, you felt it. You felt it in Civil War first, and then you feel it in this movie, and then you have you know the entire cast, African American cast, Ryan Coogler, just Ryan Coogler knocked it out of the park. He absolutely killed it. All the casting is fantastic. And visually, we, visually, it's beautiful. It's this Afrofuturistic look. If you look at a Black Panther comic, it's what you're looking at. It, it was. It, it was definitely a comic book. It, on it, screen. It, it looked like a comic book on screen. You see all these beautiful things going together and then on top of that we haven't even mentioned the soundtrack is incredible in this movie yep. you you've got so much and like you got so much good stuff Kendrick Lamar doing all this incredible work to make this whole story flow you can listen to that album without watching the movie you can listen to that album top to bottom and you've got the entire story yeah. you've gotten the you've gotten all of that you've gotten all these things they connect with the spiritual aspect of this this African nation like the star like all the stars are closer is in reference to their ancestors. The stars are closer when the ancestral plane is closer to them. Yeah. So it it's things like that, these subtle things that work so good together, and it paints this beautiful picture. And then we mentioned Killmonger. We completely gloss over the fact that Ulysses Claw is the villain in the first thir- 45 minutes of this movie. Andy Serkis. He's like, so good, Andy Serkis is so good in this movie. There's so many good one-liners. Him telling... Him telling the uh, the FBI agent that uh that he would send him a link to his SoundCloud mixtape when they were yeah, <laughs> but I mean <laughs> and like again so they had a, there was a scene there was a car chase scene in that early part of the yep. movie that was as good as anything we've seen in a Batman movie as far as the visual effects as far as the feeling of how that character was and what he was capable of doing um, the technology everything that this movie brought um it was it was again at and maybe considered um, not necessarily a risk, but definitely it was a new undertaking. It was different. It was, different. It was different, and it proved to work. And, and, it, and it and it worked. And then also giving the, giving credit where credit is due, making making a woman the smart person in the room, making Shuri the one the the voice of re, making Nadia the voice of reason, and making Shuri the one making all the tech. On top of all of that, it's just like it checks so many boxes that it's not it's not lip service to like. To be like, all right, we got this scene, this scene, this scene, this scene. Everyone's good. Yep. This movie did something for a group of people that needed to be done yep. without making it feel forced or anything. It was beautiful. Yeah. Black Panther, solid movie. Number two for Alan. Um, Alan, my number two movie, my top two movies are going to take you back in the day a little bit. Um, my number two movie is Batman 89. Batman 89. When I go back and I think about the time frame this movie came out, uh, we had not had a big screen Batman as of yet, and we were all wondering what was going to happen when we get a big screen Batman. And then word came out that Tim Burton was going to do this movie. Everybody's thinking, "Oh man, Tim Burton!" Word came out that Michael Keaton was going to be Batman. Oh man, Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson's going to be the Joker? Joker. What are they doing? <laughs> this this has all the inklings of being a disaster. And what we got was something totally different. And you talk about the impact of a movie. This movie was PR marketed brilliantly they had this movie promoted so much that prince's soundtrack album was the number one album before the movie even came over out. a year and it was amazing how they did that if you didn't have a batman t-shirt in middle school i saw this when i was in seventh grade you were not cool you had to have a batman t-shirt every kid had a batman t-shirt so now granted the new kids on the block really cheapened that for us but anyway that's another story i digress but batman 89 Alan, this movie was amazing at the time. It was visually spectacular. 
probably one of my favorite iterations of the Batmobile. But I think Michael Keaton really did a great job of being Bruce Wayne and Batman. He, he nailed both parts. And it was really more of a kind of a Joker movie in a sense because Jack Nicholson was just so over the top. And he controlled... He stole the scene if he was there. He controlled the scene. Batman 89, as a movie, as a kid going to see it, saw it several times, bought the shirts, bought the collectible stuff. Uh, it made a huge impact, and it really was kind of the next step over. Um, we had had one movie earlier that I'm going to talk about next, but this movie kind of was the next step forward in the hopes that we could really see some good stuff with superhero movies. Uh, unfortunately, there would be a lot of misses in between, but for the very first one, we talked about the first impact of a first made movie. Batman 89 did it for me. Now, number one movie. We've got less than 10 minutes to go to flesh this out. Your number one best superhero movie, Alan, is... Let's see how quickly I can talk about all this. <laughs> Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. All right. Tw- Another animated film. 2018's, t- 2018's beautiful film. Uh, it, it, I saw this the 30... No, I saw this on New Year's Eve. I said 30 times. No, 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 no. no. I, saw it, I saw it more than enough. But I saw this on New Year's Eve that year and it immediately became one of my top two favorite movies Black Panther being the other one of the of the year yeah. wasn't even close it, it's just such a beautiful film you see a different Spider-Man you see Miles Morales who's this uh, this half Latino half half black kid living in Brooklyn not not Queens going to this going to this private school doing all these things dealing with similar things to Peter but not quite the same he he's different in a lot of ways, he's a different universe as Spider-Man. He deals with uh, Chris Pine's Sp- Peter Parker. He deals with Jake Johnson's Peter B. Parker. He deals with Haley, Ste- Haley Steinfeld's Spider-Gwen. He deals with all these different ones. Spider-Ham, Spider-Man Noir. Uh, all these different characters. And it, none of it feels forced. None of it feels out of place. But it's just the soul of this movie is just beautiful. It The whole point... And I think this is the thing that gets lost a lot of time with Spider-Man. The whole point of Spider-Man, it's a full body suit. Mm-hmm. Nothing is showing. Anyone can be that character. Yeah. Like, anyone can put on the mask. Anyone can be Spider-Man. The whole spirit of the character is to be this, this kid who stands up for what is right, tries to do, and just tries to do the right thing. Yeah, you're going to deal with a bunch, yeah, they deal with a bunch of anxiety, deal with a bunch of life issues that are hard on the side but they try and put that off to the corner and then deal with the issue in front of their in front of their head and that's why I've always appreciated Spider-Man in general yeah. but seeing all that adapted to Miles Morales or applied to Miles Morales when one of the big villains in the story is his uncle yeah. in just having to deal with things that Peter didn't have to deal with yeah. and it's just I can watch this movie Time and time and time again, and I will never get tired it's of it. It's a great movie. The soundtrack, just like Black Panther, absolutely incredible. Yeah. You, there's nothing to hate about this movie. And I think nothing. It, I think it also goes to show that we're we're definitely sooner than later going to get a live, live action, action Miles, Miles Morales, Morales Spider Man movie, uh, a solo non Spider Verse Miles Morales movie, which I think would be great. It'd be great. Um, Alan, my number one movie. I'm going back to the original. I'm going to the bedrock of all superhero movies, and that's 1978 Superman Christopher Reeve uh, still to this day the best Superman 
in my opinion. He was Superman. He was the best Clark Kent. He pulled off both interpretations of the character to where you actually believe some guy could actually slump his shoulders a little bit, play clumsy, wear glasses, and make you think he's not Superman. Um, this movie was amazing at the time. The catch line, the tagline was, you will believe a man will fly. And the visual effects at the time were really ahead of it. We had just come off of Star Wars in 1977. So this was probably the, the next big super movie that came out. And Superman was just great. Great villain. Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor was just amazing. The comedy, the elements of it, the reasons why he just did not like Superman. Um, the story was fleshed out. It didn't really have no great over-the-top action scenes in it. Um, but it was flushed out. We saw the full origin of Superman. We saw his teenage years when he finds out about who he is and talks with his dad. We see the loss that he has with his dad. We, we find how he discovers he's Superman. The Fortress of Solitude, all this stuff brought to life for the first time. We see him enter uh, Metropolis, working for the Daily Planet. All these supporting characters were great. Jimmy Olsen, Perry White. Uh, Alan, this movie just had everything. And to me, it still stands up. If you go and watch that movie now, you turn on the surround sound. That John Williams soundtrack, so which is so good. Probably my favorite superhero soundtrack of all time. Um, there's just so much about this movie that still is good. And also part of the reason why it is such a struggle to make another good Superman movie. Because this movie checked off all the boxes. The only thing that you can really top this with is make a movie that is similar to this, but with not too much over-the-top action. I thought Man of Steel did a great job of giving us some of those things, but it really laid into the action part a lot, and I think that's what kind of turned people off of that particular movie. Uh, to, to the point where in Batman versus Superman, they had to acknowledge that the island that they were fighting on was unpopulated. Right. So it was just it was just crazy. <laughs> But man, Christopher Reeve, Superman, um, just this movie was everything. And like I said, until Batman 89 came out, the superhero movie business just did not have any feet to stand on. So this was kind of the first introduction and it delivered. And I even remember being in line for Superman 2 at the old Apollo Cinema in Greenwood, South Carolina. And just thinking of the excitement of getting to see another Superman movie um, with Superman 2, you could argue it was really in the top 25 too. Very good movie. So, Alan, I have enjoyed the mess out of this, man. We have talked about a lot of superhero movies, our top 10 worst, our top 10 best, differing top 10s for both, but a lot of stuff that we can agree on. And I think a lot of people would have very different top 10s. It's really hard when it comes down to it sometimes, especially when you're talking about a certain genre of movies. But, um, I think uh, if you haven't seen some of these movies, you need to go and watch them. You need to go experience them for yourself. And again, there's a lot of good ones out there right now that you can go and experience. And a lot we didn't mention. And a lot we didn't mention. And, and a lot of a lot of in-betweeners that are maybe not the worst, maybe not the best, but maybe underrated. There's several films that I think uh, don't get enough love. A couple of them to come to mind is Mystery Men. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1990 was really good and under underwhelming. Um, uh, Watchmen's on my list. You know, we did talk about the first Iron Man, which really mm -hmm. set the stage, really was a, a risk for Marvel because here's a secondary Marvel character that's not named Spider-Man. <laughs> and yeah. how are we going to make this work? And Robert Downey Jr., oh man, Who, and Robert, talking about a great storyline. And Robert Downey at the point was a huge risk. Yep. 
So uh, your number one, Spider-Verse, mine, Superman, great top tens. Alan, great job as always. Thank you for helping out. Look forward to having you back. We'll probably have a comic book movie discussion because that's kind of stretches things out into a whole nother it's area there. a little bit different a little bit different so uh excited about doing that thank you so much for helping me out hope you guys enjoyed this podcast pass it along share it to anybody who likes movies especially superhero movies and we'll hope to do some more top 10 best worst coming up really soon god bless y'all stay safe